Hello everyone. If we haven't said it yet, Happy New Year to you. This is the Creativity Cocktail. It's 2022. And I'm here with the wonderful Elisa Cornish. Hello. 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 Welcome. <laughs> hello, Wednesday. She is Good a phenomenal. Here. She's a phenomenal playwright. I know we haven't talked in a while because you and I we meet, you know, with some other playwrights throughout the year. And it's been so right. great to meet you and have you um, as friends. So great to great to have you on the show yeah. today. Yeah. And I look forward to when we're not in hiatus again and really meeting yes, yes. <laughs> in person and uh, doing our new thing. Yeah. I, I feel the same way that you do. I think at first, when this all first happened, uh, Alicia, maybe you can share your comments on this. I was okay with like, all right, we got to do this because it's the right thing for us to do as a country and as a people. And we have to make sure we're protecting people. But I have to tell you that after two years, it's really exhausting. <laughs> it is so exhausting. It's just, it's beyond annoying at this point. Yes, and I know they try to blame every, you know, it, the blame game is in, but oh gosh. it is what it is. Everyone's pointing their fingers, but we as a humanity, we as a people just got to take care of each other. And we've got we to, do. Make, yeah, we got to make a decision at some point. Like, is it about you know? the future and how do we take care of each other in the future? Because we can't keep going through this. Yeah. Right. I think it's, I heard this analogy that humanity is like an organ of the earth. And just like every cell of our body, like the cells in your arm don't know that maybe they comprise your whole arm, but they do. And one cell is affected, the whole arm is, we try to be so individualistic, but and we're, we're the cells of the human organ. And when one part is weak, we're all pretty much weak. And I think the pandemic really shows that, you know? That's right. So. Now, I tell people, it's so interesting that you're using an analogy I used recently. Because I was talking to a friend of mine, and we were talking about the hubris that a lot of us have, that we think we're controlling this or that. And I was like, we're like, we're like hairs on our arm of the earth. <laughs> you, know, you think about a whole body mm -hmm. of, of us, you know, it's like when some we're doing something we think is important, it's like the earth scratches its forearm. And humanity. Yeah. <laughs> and and we talk about climate change and whatnot, but the earth will cleanse itself whether we're here or not. <laughs> and us not paying attention to the climate and the the pollution that we generate affects us. It kills us off, but the earth will continue. That's right. <laughs> the, earth is, the earth is like sneezing. Our time on the earth is like the earth sneezing. <laughs> like, it's just like, it's like, no, no, I had a sneeze. And then the sneeze is gone and then you're okay. It's the same. Right. Because <laughs> so, right. you're right, because the earth is. So we're there. affecting our ability to exist on the earth, but we're right. not affecting the earth's ability to exist. That's exactly right. You know, the earth <laughs> has got another 20 or so million years before something happens. <laughs> so, right. It's, it's going to be all right. And so and it's so cool that you and I think similarly on this because we just, mm -hmm. our ego sometimes 
prevail as humans. It just yeah. does. And, and the cool thing about writing and creating like you and I do is that we get moments to like explore those kind of things. You know, the, uh -huh. the, the forces of ego that we all have, you know. Yes. Yeah, we're all trying yeah. to control the world, you know, and, and it's not <laughs> possible. <laughs> it's, just, it's, just not. it's like learn to control yourself. That's right. Learn to control yourself, love yourself. That's right. And, and, you're and love us. That's the only thing all. we can do. That's the only thing that's we can right. do. You know, everything else is just something we're making up. Yeah. Keep <laughs> occupied. Um, you know, I yeah. was watching a show recently. It's one of these shows on HBO, and it was about these people, these rich people. Um, the name escapes me. And I was saying to myself, while I was watching the show, I was like, wow, these people are really bored. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> then, you know, they were like, and how can you be bored with that much money? Oh that's gosh, right. They were like, bored really with time. <laughs> it's like, oh, I need somebody to come to the party. And if they don't come to the party, then my life is over. <laughs> I was like, well, you're still oh, here. Oh, are you talking about uh, that new show? Yeah. Um, the Gilded Age? Yes, yes, yes. With some of my yes, favorite. that woman. <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, okay. I was like, it's it's bad. It's trying to tell her. That's right. <laughs> yes. But you're still like the richest people in the community. And then she was just like, oh, my life is over. People ain't come to my party. Yeah. He's trying to say, will you just uh, invite your old friends? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Your true friends. <laughs> exactly Let them right. enjoy this. <laughs> I did enjoy that show quite a bit. It just falls in line yeah. with the way I think. So you are a phenomenal yeah. playwright. And well, thank you, you for that. So are you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And so I love to talk to people like yourself. So tell us a little bit about your writing journey like you know maybe go backwards tell us where you are today and then talk a little bit about how you've come to be the awesome playwright that you are well i'm a musical girl i love musicals uh i guess everything for me sir is um affected by music and i i can't imagine you know writing a play, straight play, without music. I think I would go to, <laughs> if I don't write musicals for the stage, I would do screenwriting because music is involved in that too, in telling the story. And so, uh, gosh, my journey, I remember in, in uh, high school, my English teacher said, you really are a talented creative writer. But I didn't really listen to her because at the time when I was growing up, it was women's lib and, you know, doing a man's job was what women wanted to do. <laughs> you know, we wanted to be uh, engineers and whatnot because that was new. And so I went towards electronics engineering, something that I have. <laughs> no, really ability to do, but I went to college to do that and got so bored. Wow. And uh, but it, it led me to broadcast television production and uh, I, I was able to get a, a cooperative education job in Houston at KHOU TV, which is the CBS affiliate. And so that's when I really was able on the production creative side, able to use my storytelling wow. again. And um, I did not know after working there. 
Yeah. Yeah. After working there for eight years, um, my husband at the time got a job as a, in radio at the U.S. Virgin Islands. <laughs> so we just moved to the Virgin Islands. And I sat on the beach <laughs> while he worked. And I think that after, cool. after a while, he was kind of offended by mine <laughs> and my resume to the local television station there. Oh. Huh? No, no, you only keep going. You said you took it to the local the, radio, television station. He took my resume to the <laughs> local TV station, which is, you know, a very, very small market on the islands. And I was, um, I spoke with the news director because I told him that I was really bored with doing television production and, and in, in his market, they didn't have the equipment. They just weren't up to speed. And he says, well, would you like to try news? And I said, well, I don't have a degree in journalism. And he says, well, I'll tell you, I'll teach you how to, how to write TV news. And he had me read a book, how to write TV news, television news. And then he said, you can work as the photographer with the reporters and go out on the stories and you'll edit the stories with them and you'll learn from that too. And I did. And when I really knew what I was doing, he let me be a, a news reporter. And, and on the Virgin Islands that I would handle the legislature. And that's, that's basically um, soft news because you don't want to scare the tourists <laughs> the, the crime. You don't want to talk about the crime and mayhem that may be happening on the island. So yeah. we do really touristy uh, stories and in environmental stories, you know, and that's where I really got into the environmental, save the island, the impact the construction was having on the island, uh, the way uh, littering on the beach was was killing the sea turtles because mm -hmm. the sea turtles, you know, unbelievably people leave dirty diapers on the <gasps> beach and plastic. Mm -hmm. And this, the sea turtles see that as jellyfish. And then when they eat it, they die. So it became, that became my biggest thing was saving the sea turtles, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it really helped. And, and, uh, it really had an impact, so I really like that. But after two years living there, you get uh, island fever. You want to get off that rock, <laughs> and so we moved to LA. And in oh, LA, yeah, I got that's a job. A big difference. <laughs> <laughs> it was a huge difference. It was so crazy. And we had a friend that helped us move, but he moved us into the hood. <laughs> so all of a sudden, I like we went from the uh, lovely beach, you know, tropical mm -hmm. atmosphere to hearing helicopters all night and looking outside and seeing hookers on the street. And even one night, DEA agents, you know, sneaking across our lawn to, to try to go sneak up on somebody. And we were like, what have you done to us? Gosh. We went from paradise to this. But he, he worked at a girls and boys club and he said well you didn't have a car and you could use my car during the day if you lived here and it was wild but we found our way around LA I eventually got a job with Warner Brothers working in production again <laughs> and uh, I started writing on the side and and eventually 
we got tired of LA. We felt like LA, we had children and raising our children in LA is, it's really hard for them, you know, right. in the different neighborhoods. It's like they couldn't play outside with that by themselves without worrying about who may come by. It was just not a good life, family lifestyle to us. And so like we left. Your, like you're a prisoner in your own house. <laughs> yes. So we moved here to Atlanta and uh, been here ever since, um, ever since 1983, lived yeah. in Atlanta. So I've probably lived here longer than I've lived anywhere in and my that life. That whole part <laughs> of your life, Felice, about, the, um, about you being in television, all that, I didn't know that. That's, that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you, you, you've got your own memoir ready to go. Whenever you're ready. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you know when I moved here, I worked for IBM, and there's and they have a great, very innovative production facility for creating their training videos and and the like here in Atlanta. And then that grew into a beautiful web design development center that was just state of the art. You know, it was just like. Uh, you hear about it, Google and whatnot. We, you know, we had pool tables and bring your pets to work day, and you know, pool tables, ping pong tables, uh, chair massages. Wow. <laughs> it was just so luxurious, and I became a project manager for web design development. So, you know, you yeah. said something that was interesting, and, and writing became on my my sideline, my hobby. That's right. You know, something that struck me. In what you were sharing about you um, doing electrical engineering initially, you know, and I remember just for myself, you know, they give these kids in high school like these kind of assessments or whatever, and the assessment said that I had the highest propensity to be an electrical engineer or, or capability to be an electrical engineer of anyone in my class, by far. <laughs> I'm telling you, I went into the class because this was like some advanced class around it. And three days after I was in it, I was like, this is the worst class in history. <laughs> I was like, this is the most boring class in history. I like, I was like, when are we going to like do engineering? And it wasn't until sometime like the next year or something. I, like, I went to my guy's counselor. I said, like, I can't do this. He's like, you got the highest, you know, assessment passing in the class. I was like, I don't care, man. I do not want to do this. I want to go and, you know, can I get an extra art class or a different kind of class? Because, you know, I was an artist in those days. And, I, and, right. and, you, and when you shared that to me, I was like, sometimes I think that people don't understand how your brain is wired or how our brains are wired. Mm -hmm. They think because, all right, you took some assessment or you had this, you know, this kind of inclination or just even a moment. That, oh, yeah. At least we'll be a great electrical engineer. That's not necessarily who you are. I don't think people know that. They don't. They don't. Right. And they don't understand that sometimes we as creatives, we will find creative ways to beat test <laughs> or do assessments. Oh, you really have that talent and that ability, but it's not really what inspires you and motivates you and turns you on. It's not what you want to do. Oh gosh, it's so. so boring. And you know what I did when I was in college? I went and I used to install stereos into people's cars. You know, mm -hmm. you know, like you have the big, mm -hmm. 
about the big speaker systems and all that. That required right. electrical engineering. <laughs> right. But you I had did that ability. It was fun, and I got paid for doing it, for helping them out. And that was more fun than sitting in the class, like class, math class number four. That was ridiculous <laughs> to me. I just couldn't do it. I, I couldn't do it. Oh, me, me too. The math got just overwhelming after a while. I was like, no. This is so no. horrible. And I think people <laughs> think that when they meet you and I, sometimes they'll put a label on us. And they'll say, well... Mm -hmm. I had a conversation with Lisa, and that means that she is this thing. But they don't really know you, per se. They mm -hmm. don't know your career, spirit, per se. They yeah. just say, well, she dressed a certain way, or she used a certain kind of language, or she looked a certain kind of way, and then that's who she is. And yeah. we as human beings, we have to really find ways to really get to know each other. Yeah. And I've done so many different things, which to me really helps in writing. I have something to write about. I have interests. I have a, a, a lot of life experience now where I feel that maybe in high school where I didn't, didn't really feel the passion to be a writer, even though I was good at it, I really have that passion now of telling stories. And I think journalism, I approach playwriting really like journalism from a, a research uh, interviewing other people process to tell the story because I want the dialogue to be very authentic and and different and real and so I'm not somebody that without having researched and interviewed is really good at just sitting there and making up a whole dialogue for a whole play and, and all the different characters I need to go out and hear how people that I'm writing about really talk and how, you know, how they really express themselves. So it sounds. Yeah. I was talking to a Yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine right before our conversation today about creative processes. And he had a process very similar to your own where he, you know, he outlined everything and he researched it and he had this whole character breakdown, etc. And I shared with him that as structured as I am about everything in life, that is the one area, depending on the, the story, where I'm less structured. Um, where I have like this, I create like, I write the, the first few lines at the end of a story. And then I work backward. I create summaries. The only, the only, the only caveat to all of that I shared with him is that when I'm doing something that's science fiction or fantasy based, that requires uh, this whole world building thing that people talk about a lot. That requires a yeah. lot. That so that requires some that's in, a lot. That, that requires a lot of thought in regards to mm -hmm. what that is, who is that, what's going on in there. But sometimes when I have, I was doing this thing where I was categorizing all of the the stories that I've had in my head and the ones that I've written and the ones that I am writing, and it was dozens of them. And sometimes I got to go for it, and sometimes it's really yeah. horrible. <laughs> it's really horrible. Well, writing um, is rewriting, rewriting, rewriting. That's right. That's right. It is. It is. It's just rewriting and just and sometimes it's coming from a place of emotion, right? Something, something's pain on my on my heart. Mm -hmm. Then that starts there. But does that stay the whole time? Probably. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I feel differently about things. Mm -hmm. That's the thing I love about writing. And and your thoughts are please share is that it like makes us tap into like our spirit 
a bit, I think. Yes. Oh, the whole process for me is a spiritual one, you know, and uh, I, through writing, I developed spiritually, I, I developed a clairvoyance. You know, it's when I'm writing and really in the groove, there's sparkly lights all around me. And then I, I just feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm really connecting with uh, my inner being or the other writers on the other side who are now trying to communicate through me. You know, it's to me, it's a very, very, very spiritual, inspirational process. You know, it's, it's awesome. You and I have a mutual friend that shared that their character talks to them a bit. And I was thinking about the most recent thing that I'm writing, and the character is the characters are always talking to me. Like when I'm taking a walk or something, or I'm doing something else that's like not focused, like right now, the characters will have a conversation with me. They're like, hey, "Don't get this one part here." Or what if you know? <laughs> you, I don't know if it's borderline. You know, it's like a mental thing or whatever. I don't. It's a phrenic. <laughs> like, there, was that one movie, there was that one movie where a guy had like three different personalities or something like that. I don't know what the, whether that's the deal or not. All I know is that no. when, they, when they're talking to me, I try to capture it. But that's like the mm -hmm. most fun part about writing to me is that the story talks even when you're not writing. Yes. And then I I turn on that iPhone. I love those iPhones where I can <laughs> record that little bit of yes. thought that just came. Yes, I do that yeah. all the time too. I have like disparate notes for every single character because they're just things I captured and I was taking a walk and I just had this, well, yes. this epiphany about That's that. clear audience. That's right. <laughs> those little voices. That's right. <laughs> And it's just like, oh, whoa, wait, wait, huh? And you're, you're exactly right about the rewriting portion of it. Oh, yeah. It's always that. You know, you, re you rewrite it yourself so many times. And then since theater is such a collaborative experience, all of it is, you know, whether it's film, television, it's all so collaborative. Here come the rewrites again <laughs> once somebody else is involved. That's it, right. You know, it just it's is. always evolving. What's, what's your process so, like when you're ready to to start to write? Do you have a do you have to have like a kind of a, a Zen kind of thing happening for you to write? Or like where you have to have a certain amount of things in place or music in place? What's what's your process when you're ready to write or, or create? I can't listen to other music because I'm trying to when I'm trying to create. I have to listen to the music that. It's so crazy because I started with musical Shakespeare. That was the first thing I ever did because I um, heard this, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a conspiracy theory or whatever, that that uh, Christopher Marlowe was the real Shakespeare mm -hmm. and that he was a spy, a British spy. And well, actually, Christopher Marlowe was the bastard son of an aristocrat. And so he, he went to all the finest schools and uh, they say he became a spy, but he got in an argument with some people. He was a great writer and he got in an argument and um, the, uh, I don't know what you call it, that's over the spies. They wanted to save him and so they faked his death gotcha. and sent him off to another country. 
to live and write. And they borrowed, they paid the actor, William Shakespeare, to use his name as his pen name. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, really? Well, if that's it, let me read everything that Christopher Marlowe wrote. And then let me read everything Shakespeare wrote and compare them. And because if he's the same writer, I'm going to be able to hear his voice. And I do, I, I do believe that story because of that. They, their writing is the same. So that got me into Shakespeare. And then I, was, I, I love the sonnets. So I would uh, memorize sonnets. And then while I was taking my walks, I would recite the sonnets wow. to myself. And then... I could start to draw comparisons to different stories that I wrote or different uh, read of Shakespeare or um, sonnets that I was reciting to different songs that I was hearing by other artists like Sting or Seal or there's so many, Alicia Keys even. Mm -hmm. And I came up with this musical Shakespeare, where I certain Shakespeare stories that I loved, and I connected different songwriters' music because I felt like the songwriters needed to be songwriters that were on the same level as Shakespeare. So many of them are famous, you know, and I interact interjected their songs into the stories, and I became that became musical Shakespeare, you know. So I have like five plays. Pericles, Prince of Tyre, is filled with songs by Seal. It's like those artists became the main character. And so I would take <laughs> the songs of theirs and, you know, put it in the play. So it was, uh, that's what really got me into playwriting. <laughs> wow. And that's... saying, you know, okay, I've done this. Now let me try something more original, you know. And uh, so I went to Cervantes, and it's so silly because uh, in the conspiracy theory mm -hmm. of Christopher Marlowe, there's this theory that he and Miguel de Cervantes became really good friends, and that he was the one that made, originally wrote the English translations of uh, Cervantes' work. And if you read the English translations, they do sound like Shakespeare probably wrote those. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I say, well, let me find a Cervantes story, you know, a gypsy story. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I could find a gypsy story, that would make such a great musical. <laughs> well, Cervantes had one, you know, La Gitania, the, the little gypsy girl, you know. And so I turned that, that's Preciosa, into a musical. So. That was my next step. <laughs> and I'm still trying to find the right, you know, collaborator to write the music for that one. And um, then I went all the way original. Let me come up with my own original story and work with other original artists. And that's Rhymes and Reasons. And then um, Which Blue I Butterfly. So honored that you shared some of that with myself and others. <laughs> so I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then I, uh, Blue Butterfly is the one I'm working on now, which is original, but it's about uh, some friends of mine who were Bosnian soldiers. And 
they're Muslim and they're here. They were, they were refugees. They're citizens now, and it's really their story, um, you know, and their story of really how life was as a soldier and in that war and how that war started and then how their life was has been as a refugee here and the different issues, the, the mental PTSD sort of issues of life after Bosnia and then to find themselves in a country that has a whole segment now that, you know, even talks about sedition, you know, in the way of let's do it like the, the Serbs did it. <laughs> you know? Exactly right. Yeah, that's the yeah. things that are coming out. And they were, and, you know, I didn't have an end for that, that uh, musical until the insurrection happened. And they were aghast, and I'm like, okay, here's my ending. <laughs> Here they are. They're a full circle moment. They're back to a country <laughs> that wants to do the same stupid thing that happened to them before. <laughs> Isn't that something? Yeah, that, yeah. That, that about how events can affect us as creatives, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I've shared that I had a play that I was sitting on that I loved, but I wrote it not far after 9-11, but I never went and put it out there. And then when the pandemic started, something called to me, that play called to me from my, from my Dropbox and said, hey, it's time, now time for me and for this play. And going back to rewriting, I went and spent some time and made it really reflective of a hopeful future that's going to happen when we're all past this. We're all past this current oh. pandemic, and um, oh, nice. it was sort of it was when I when I did the writing or the, the reading of it in 2020, it was well received. I had people from New York because at the time I did the reading, that was right when New York was having its biggest difficulty with the pandemic, right? You know the, the yeah. You know, we yeah. remember the it was news. really yeah. We remember the news and all that was going on. And I had people who shared, oh my gosh, we're looking forward to that and that hopeful future that I wrote. And, uh, you know, fast forward now, it's been two years. <laughs> so it's time for it. It's still time. not there. Because <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I wrote it like, oh yeah. We're hopeful. This thing's going to be over by the end of 2020. And it wasn't. <laughs> Everyone was like, yay, 2021, and 2021 was like more the same. And then it's like, oh, 2022, yay. Uh. <laughs> yes, the, the amount of stories that are going to come out of this time is going to be so many because so many <laughs> perspectives have happened throughout it. You know, so Elise, right now, you talked about a little bit about what you're working on and what you've got coming up here in the future. Mm -hmm. Um, and you talk about kind of your path. Like when you think about who is inspiring you today, when you think about just a person or a symbol that's out there that's got you energized every time you see her or him, and you say that person wow. got me jazz or they got, I like what they're doing. Who are some of those people for you? Uh, Ken Davenport, Broadway producer, because uh, he has always talked about self-producing, self-producing your work, you know, and he really uh, motivates, inspires, gives you tools of how to self-produce your work. Yeah. Uh, 
I'm I'm really inspired by him. At first, I was like, oh gosh, raising money. <laughs> Who want, as a creative, you're like, really? <laughs> but then I think of people, and I think, wow, Tyler Perry did that. You know, that's why Tyler Perry is who he is now. He didn't wait for someone to produce his work. He realized he had to get out there and he went to the church, you know, he got backing and, you know, look at him today. <laughs> so it, it can be done. And I think really that's the, the biggest thing on my mind right now is uh, grabbing that entrepreneurial spirit and really that's why i like what we're doing our little group together yeah. is just coming together and and that's what you've done you've yeah. self-produced you know and it's and it was such an amazing learning experience for me you know uh -huh. i don't think sometimes you understand all the things that are necessary to do that it's not just the raising the capital part it was finding the volunteers. It was being a de facto stage manager in some cases. It's a, the dramaturg. Mm -hmm. It's like all of these things that you need to really think about. And I do like it because for me, when I was doing it, and I was saying to myself, all right, so we got to do marketing because we got to get some people to come to the show to help pay for the show. So we got to do that. Huh? At the same time, we got <laughs> right. so to make the show authentic. We got to make it good. We got to make mm -hmm. sure that the characters are on point. It was really, really stressful in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. I think there's good stress and mm -hmm. bad stress. And, and, right. And it was. So yeah, I, 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 I appreciate you saying that because we as creators, we have to think about these, these days. There's so many ways people can get access to content. Mm -hmm. There's so many ways that now that's created this opportunity where everyone's got their tribe their their followers that will love their work every single person the tricky thing mm -hmm. is that we got to find that group you got to find it yeah. but it's there it's an abundant universe it just is abundance is everywhere in everything so right. you know, I, I just do a quick you can find it it's eight billion it's, it's, people it's <laughs> eight billion people it's got to be 20,000 people who dig your work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you mm -hmm. yeah, I've been listening cool. to a lot of uh, relationship coach, coaches talking about, you know, people say, I've got to find that one person. Is there that one person? And there is an abundance of that one person for you. <laughs> you know, if you're just open to it, you know, it's not just one out of a billion. You know, the math tells us if you got 20,000 people and they support you with 50 bucks or so, then you're a, you're a millionaire. Or you're good. To. You're good. So, you're golden. So, <laughs> so the, the tricky part is just to find that. And that's the thing that we yeah. all are creators. And that's the reason why I and yourself and others, we, we're toggling quite a bit. We're flipping switches because we know mm -hmm. we need to help each other find that audience at the yeah. same time that we create. Exactly. And, you know, also being a collective of playwrights doing that is, uh, I like it because, you know, as they say, business is a team sport. It's not just you by yourself, it's your team. And, and uh, so I find 
our group very inspirational and, and it motivates me even more to grab this entrepreneurial spirit and you know do this thing that's right mm -hmm. so it's been so awesome to have you the difference the thing i love about our conversation here today and that's the reason why i love to have different people on is that your spiritual core is evident in your comments that you've shared um, it's not, you know, sometimes some people will come on and they'll talk with us about business stuff or they'll talk about entrepreneurial or something else that's going on in the community. You are giving us like this holistic thing. So if you're out there and you're listening to Elise now or a year from now, <laughs> she's giving you some guidance across the tapping into your core. And um, okay. I personally appreciate that. And, and I appreciate your inspiration. So I got a question. Well, I appreciate you too. Yeah. I got a question for you. This is this is the doozy, as they as we call it. So, <laughs> so there's somebody out there, and they're saying themselves, you know, these two, they're high functioning creatives. They got all this stuff going on, and it's true, we are high functioning creatives. <laughs> so, and, and they're saying to themselves, but I don't know. I'm stressed. I'm depressed. I don't know where to start. I don't know who. What I should do first, and then they call or contact you, and you say to them, "Let me give you some advice." So share with the audience what that advice would be to that person. <laughs> Love yourself more. <laughs> Love yourself. I mean, to me, self-love. When you get on the journey of self-love looking within, looking for happiness from within, when you establish that connection with your inner self is when the answers start to just flow through you. You know, when you stop looking for conditions to have to change for you to be happy, when you stop looking at yourself, you know, and being hard on yourself and you allow yourself to just be and be happy with who you are, uh, content with who you are, accepting, accepting of who you are. You might not be content with who you are, but accepting of who you are. And you don't beat yourself up and you realize that even if Trump is the president, I can still be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to turn off the news. No. <laughs> <laughs> When you, become, <laughs> when you, it just intuitively flows from you what your next step should be, you know, that's, how, like, that's how it works. I, I love the comment about being happy, like right now, mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes we fight, like you ever hear this thing where someone says, well, I want to try to be happy. And then there's five things have to fall into the box, into the pegs no. to be happy. No, you have to change your thinking. You have to reach for a thought that makes you happy, even if it's just like a picture on your wall. You know, I do an appreciation journal every morning. I meditate every morning, you know, to quiet my mind. To learn how to quiet your mind is really important because when you're in a stressful situation, then you know how to quiet your mind and not dwell on what you don't want. You know how to calm yourself so that the answers can come. So every morning I meditate, you know, I remember a teacher told me, you know, when people say, I don't have time to meditate, 
their response is you don't have time not to because connecting to your inner self is the most important thing aligning with that soul god within you that meditation gives you by quieting your mind uh, can make the difference in your whole day and then when i come out of meditation i don't try to think of the messed up thing that happened to me yesterday and bring those thoughts all back. I stay clear and I start writing in my appreciation journal at least five things that I appreciate. And it usually goes further than that, you know. Five things that I appreciate today. That is so nice. And so it can be just that I appreciate that picture on my wall. Sometimes things that you used to appreciate become a thorn in your side, especially if it's a person, if you say, and then you get in an argument and you're like, well, I can't reach for that as a happy thought today. <laughs> I have to ban my thoughts. <laughs> you know, just happy. I, oh, Oprah, I read Oprah say when that happens to her, because she does that too. She, she calls it her gratitude journal. Mm -hmm. um, she says, I'm grateful I can breathe. I can breathe. <laughs> that's, that's a good, good. one. That's, that's a good, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's a good place to start. That's for sure. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you know, I let that you, usually gets my day on the right, you know, off on the right track. You know, the, you just sharing that. I hope everyone listened because it was this, your voice, the way you were describing that was meditative in of itself. And so mm -hmm. take those moments to just really stop and really listen and every single one of us are grateful for something you know we, we just are and you don't have to search far for it and i was sharing earlier that sometimes when people you hear these people and they're getting like really upset or angry about things or they they retreat inward and people go why aren't you just as mad about this thing as i am or why are you not upset about this thing and a lot of times is the control that we are trying to exert in the world. You know, we're trying to say, let me control every single moment of every single thing, <laughs> instead of trying to be present for the moment itself and trying to right. understand how do, how do I help those in this particular moment, if it is possible? Mm -hmm. How do I listen mm -hmm. to the moment as opposed to saying, oh, and I gotta, I gotta fix it or I gotta fight it. I gotta make it my thing. Yeah. And what you fight against fights you right back. That's, that's exactly just right. the law. That's yeah. that's that's physics, actually. I gotta fight the virus. I'm on my own. <laughs> yes, fight the virus. And so we're creating we're creating more virus. Exactly right. <laughs> right. Because once you give attention to expands. That's right. I don't expand. care what the people are saying. This is my fight. And next thing you know, it doesn't work. Yeah. Right. It just doesn't. It's really about us really appreciating each other. To me, that's like the only thing, only reason like why we're here. Like we'll make up stuff. Yes. Like we're supposed to do all this other stuff. We're supposed to do these other things. We made up all of this fantasy about all these other things. But we're just supposed to be here for each other. That's the life. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually supposed to have fun. That's right. <laughs> no, that's life right. is supposed to be fun. <laughs> it is. You can make fun out of everything. I always tell a story. So finding. Yeah, finding happiness within is, yeah, you know, the first step and not depending on others for your happiness. 
is in everything, in every relationship, it's so freeing for you and the other person that you're relating to because you're no longer depending on them to make you happy or, or be conditionally some kind of way so that you can be feel better about yourself. You know? and, and here's the thing so. for those who are listening. It's not stuff. It's not items that bring you happiness. Mm-hmm. It just isn't. Mm-hmm. You know, your car might look really nice, or you might have a lot of cool clothes, or you might have a phenomenal house or something like that. But those things are all transitory moments of happiness. And every time you have them, you get bored with them and you want another. Yeah. (laughs) It's like we're making an illusion of happiness. (laughs) Illusion. I want more and more stuff. And all of the stuff is not, it's like a, stuff is like a drug. Yeah, yeah, I said it. It's like a drug. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you want to get more of it, but then when you get mm-hmm. it, you got to find a place for it. Then you have to understand whether it has any value or excitement for you. So you, then all you do is just have a bunch of stuff that clutters your brain because you have so much stuff. Right. And it's not really helping you at all in, in your life. It's mm-hmm. just making you more addicted to getting more of it. But you don't really know what it is because it's not making you happy. Yeah, it's not really what you want. You're looking for happiness, and that's within. But I don't mind having stuff now. I don't want to tell it. Yeah, I don't (laughs) mind having stuff either that helps me. I don't want stuff. (laughs) You know, sometimes you got to say, like, how much of it do you need? Like, at one time I went into my, um, my closet, and I had all these suits and suits jackets and stuff. And I was like, oh, well, you know, this is a lot. But how many black ones do I need? Do I need like, <laughs> do I need like three or four black ones? That makes sense. Do I need all of these shoes? You know, I, you know, I need some that I really like. Which ones yeah. do I think you like? And why do I need this amount of shoes? I, I, I just don't. When I was a kid, I used to collect all of these comic books. You know, a little bit different thing because comic books bring you joy because you read them. Yeah. And so I'm saying to myself, why do we have so many items? And we in America and a lot of parts of the world, we become addicted to the items. And then by having more mm-hmm. items, we create more clutter, not just for ourselves, but for the planet. So yes, more stuff. And more trash when you throw right. it away. Trash. Back to your, your thing earlier when you talked about the sea turtles and all of that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. we create more of that. We got pollution in the ocean. We got pollution in space. <laughs> we got stuff going on. Yeah. yeah. Now, so we, you know, yeah, that that's so deep. We <laughs> That reminds me of uh, our boy, the Tesla guy. And, I, and Lord knows I, I love the Tesla. <laughs> but him wanting to... <laughs> Put more satellites up there. It's like uh, you're, you're making it clean down here, but let's trash space. <laughs> let's right. trash the atmosphere with more. Those things are going thousands of miles an hour, so they're going to eventually hit <laughs> each other and create more trash space. There was this thing recently where this this thing that we launched, like one of those booster rockets to get us into space, it took off, mm-hmm. it went into space, and now it's going to crash into moon. So now we're creating like trash on the moon. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> right. yes. so like now the moon is full of our trash. Like, <laughs> trash you want to make. 
and back to your earlier point, the Earth don't care. <laughs> like to, to, to the Earth, like, <laughs> Earth is like whatever. You guys aren't gonna be here that long. <laughs> by the time I blink my eye, I'll clean, I'll clean this all up. By That's the time. right. It ain't hurting me. <laughs> by the time you're the next civilization. <laughs> That's right. As soon as you do so, are you gonna try to make it warm? Okay. How about I just throw the polar polar vortex on you guys for a while? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, what it could look it goes like. an ice age for your ass. That's right. Here you Survive go. Survive that. <laughs> that. For the next few months. This is what it's gonna look like. You keep jacking me up. <laughs> you know. It's so phenomenal to have you out with us today. Um, well, thank you. I've appreciated so much being here. Thank so you for more, asking me. No, no worries. We're hoping that you will rejoin us again in the future, for sure. I will. Yeah. I will. If somebody wants to get in contact with you or learn more about you, what are some of the ways that they can do that? My Facebook page or my website, IamAPlaywright.com. Send me an email. That is so awesome. That's I don't know. That 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 URL is worth a lot of money. <laughs> I, I am a player. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is when you share that with me, I was like, man, she gotta keep that website forever. <laughs> One day you're gonna be able to I cash will. out on that website. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just make it a portal. That's right. Make it a lot of That's right. Make it a platform for everybody else. That's for sure. <laughs> but for those of you who are out yeah. there who are creative, keep doing that every single day. Just take a moment. Oh. Don't try to say to yourself, I got to finish it all today. Just take that moment, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes, to create a little bit more in your life. You know, the universe has put you here to create stuff. And so That's do right. we are creators. That's the point. That's right. We are right. creators. So not you, regurgitators. That's right. We are creative. We, are, we create. We create and consume. Consume mm -hmm. and create. Create and consume, and then we create this cycle of dopeness in the world yeah. of beautiful things in the world. And so, make sure you're on both sides of those things. This is Winston with the Creativity Cocktail. We thank so much our wonderful guest, Elise Cornish, for joining us today. Thank you. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you go up so many more people in the world can hear about the wonderful, wonderful life of our creators. So thank you so much. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Thank you.